0: What's up, Ken Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we are going to recap the day's events in college football, and we have lots of moving and shaking going on. I went to the game at Oklahoma at Nebraska. We're going to get into that. We also had a really interesting upset that's told us more about the college football picture and a wild finish to one of the Cinderella teams of this season. But first, I want to start with today's game in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oklahoma traveled to Nebraska for the first time since 2009 with a new head coach, with a new head coach, Mickey Joseph, making his debut as the interim head coach at Nebraska. And Brent Venables, well, He rung him in Oklahoma-style. You know that Oklahoma cut through Nebraska 49-14 to like an international harvester through a high-yield corn field. Look, it was over almost as soon as it got started. We saw Nebraska score about 11 minutes into the game, and that was the last time they would score until we get into garbage time. Oklahoma goes up big. I thought at one point we were going to get to 1997 in a revenge game. Those of you that do not know, Nebraska once beat Oklahoma 69-7 to in what was one of the better years for Nebraska over the last 25 years, quite honestly, they won a national championship. I thought it was really interesting that going into this, Nebraska had all lost its last 13 games by a combined less than single digits, right? So we're talking about going back to November 21st, 2020, when Illinois... Beat the Huskers 41-23. That was the last time that Nebraska had lost by double digits. And then Oklahoma put an end to that today with an outstanding performance both offensively and defensively. And I think that is the take from this Oklahoma team. They've given up a total of 30 points in three games. And I thought it was interesting to, to think about, could this Oklahoma team be in position to make the college football playoff this season? This is we got to a point where that was all we could talk about right i think it's really interesting that we talk about oklahoma getting back to college football playoff because oklahoma fans have been there done that and we don't want to show up there to get our heads handed to us once again meanwhile you look around the rest of college football michigan feels real good about their team perhaps oregon is going to find their way back in with a pac-12 championship win we'll just have to wait and see on how that goes but even before this game started we got to hear from Nebraska fans about who they think should be their next head coach. You know, I, I didn't know if Big Red was gonna I bring it today. You. And I'll tell you what, they brought you. it. They brought it. Come Go, on. Big Red! <laughs> Hey coach, hey, hey, cheering for you, coach. We want hey, Urban Freedom. Hey, we want you too. <laughs> people, there, people. there was legit concern this week that Big Red Nation would be subdued. Nope. Are you guys subdued or are we up today? <laughs> yeah, They're ready to go. So no, I, I, we know Nebraska wants in on the Urban Meyer sweepstakes. Hey, Big Red, if that's your man, go get your man. And it seems like Nebraska's interested. Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports reported that Nebraska had been in contact with Urban Meyer. You got to see Urban Meyer in the booth for the second half of the game, looking at what was going on, really giving a great analysis as from a coach's perspective about what Oklahoma was doing well, what Nebraska could work on. You could still see the strategy at work in his mind. He's got this new job. We'll see if he wants to get back into coaching. Nebraska, if that's your man... By all means, you know what he's capable of in the Big Ten. You saw what he was able to do at Florida Utah before that. His coaching record, college football, speaks for itself. I'm going to be interested to see who Nebraska picks. Maybe Mickey Joseph picks it up after this. We'll just have to wait and see. From Oklahoma Nebraska, though, I want to move to what I thought was the biggest game of this Tuesday 2.30 window for us. Number 25, Oregon, hosting number 12, Brigham Young. You'll know. Number 25, Oregon, rolled through Brigham Young, 41-20 at Austin Stadium. Since that Georgia game where they suffered that humiliating defeat, they have been coming out gangbusters. And I thought it was a really fascinating game in that Oregon was doing to BYU what Georgia had done to Oregon. And for me, that means that Georgia is insanely terrifying. As a matter of fact, The joke I've been telling all day is that Georgia should occupy all four spots in every ranking that comes out on Sunday based on what Oregon was able to do to what I think is a really good Brigham Young team. You saw them take Baylor into double overtime in Provo. You also saw them pull out that win. Jaron Hall is an outstanding quarterback. It's rare that you could see a BYU quarterback throw for 300-plus yards, no interceptions, and still lose by 20 points to a team that – Quite frankly, we didn't think it was going to be any good. Bo Nix goes for 222 pass yards in this game. Marquise Irving goes for 97 rush yards of this game. And really, it's about Bo Nix not playing the SEC West, isn't it? Because since he has left there, he's looked good. As soon as he plays an SEC team like Georgia, he looks bad. You are getting the full Bo Nix experience. He's also making great use of a player that I was very high on When he committed and signed with Oregon and wide receiver Troy Franklin. Last year, as a true freshman, he caught all of 18 passes in 14 games. This year, through the first 10 quarters of the season, he has caught 13 passes and two TDs. Already as many TDs as he had all of last year. It's great to see how Dan Lennon and Kenny Lenningham Dillingham, excuse me, have made great use of him on the outside. Bo Nick's able to take the top off the defense, making some outstanding throws. I got to see some great quarterback play in this game. I expect those two teams to give everybody they play a very hard time. And maybe we're going to be talking about Oregon playing in the Pac-12 championship. Maybe we're going to be talking about Utah. Maybe we're going to be talking about USC, but all of a sudden the Pac-12 seems a lot more frisky after what Oregon was able to do to BYU today. I also thought it was interesting that BYU's kicker has missed his last three field goals in the last two games, right? Two that could have won BYU the game without going into overtime, and then this one where he missed a 38-yarder, which I thought could have put them ahead 10-7. Turns out Oregon is a much better team than we have given them credit for. They did all this without Justin Flo at linebacker, Noah Sewell, and he had been a really great tandem together. I would like to see Justin Flo able to get back into the flow of things, if you will. And they have a great game coming up against Washington State. I'm very excited about Washington State is a team that I think is on the rise. You saw what they were able to do against a top 25 Wisconsin. What does this mean, though, for the college football playoff picture? It means for me that Oregon is still in it. It means that Oregon still has an opportunity to show us what they are made of and get back to a college football playoff spot. But, again, I mentioned it with Oklahoma. How's this all going to shake out? Because if you have, say, an Oregon that runs the table with one loss, went the Pac-12 championship, you have an undefeated Oklahoma that really hasn't beat a team that we respect. Maybe it's Texas. Maybe it's Oklahoma State. And then you have the Big Ten where Ohio State is playing, as we are talking right now, against the Toledo team. But Michigan is also 3-0. and And we're staring at what I think could be the first in college football history since the Big Ten has gone to divisions. We're talking about perhaps having five teams, even six teams, even seven teams that could be undefeated going into Big Ten Conference. Play a little bit more about that later on. But sticking with the Big Ten, Penn State became the first Big Ten program to play a game at Jordan Air against Auburn. And I found this interesting because not only were they the first Big Big Ten team to travel to Auburn to play a game, they also could pull the double, and they did exactly that, winning this game 41-12. to Penn State had this game very much in hand from the jump, and the man that I've been telling you about for the better part of eight months, the man I said would be for this Big Ten Conference this year, what Travion Henderson, Ohio State was for the Big Ten Conference last year, Nick Singleton went off once again. Ten rushes, 124 rush yards, and two touchdowns in this game. Hand the ball to the dude wearing number 10. He is a talisman for the Penn State Nittany Lions. I made him into the coming second coming of Saquon Barkley. You know what, what kind of player Saquon was, but it's even richer than that. Penn State had not have a 100-yard rusher since November 2020 until last week when Nick Singleton went for over 100 yards rushing against Ohio. Then he comes back against what we all think is a good team if not a quality team in the sec west and he puts up 124 on 10 carries i know that james franklin has been mixing in the tailbacks i know that he wants to get all four of those guys touches but for me it's the nick singleton show 124 rush yards to your quarterback throwing for 178 pass yards you're going to need that kind of production from them when you get into big 10 conference play and a team that i did not think was going to be that good to start this season not only an AP Top 25 team, but they're going to head into conference play undefeated. Congratulations to Penn State and the Nittany Lions. I'm really excited to see what this means for the Big Ten East, which I think is the second-best conference in all of, excuse me, the second-best division in all of football, but is going to compete with the SEC West for that moniker this year, if not the SEC East, who's got a couple of teams in Georgia and Kentucky that are pretty doggone good themselves. Staying inside the Big Ten again, Number four, Michigan does exactly what we thought they would do to a team like UConn. They stopped a mud hole in them and they walked it dry. 59 to zero is the score. The spread was 47 and a half points. Now, I want to go through some things about Michigan that you might not know that really have kind of swayed my opinion on what kind of football team this can be. We'll talk about competition here in a bit because that's still just getting under my skin that they haven't played anybody that I think is any good. Just yet, but JJ McCarthy was outstanding. 12 of 15, 214 yards. He's going to be the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Cade McNamara unfortunately went down with an injury that is going to keep him out for at least a few weeks. I think this is JJ McCarthy's opportunity to shine. And that's a great thing because JJ turned Michigan into a totally different team. They become less of a battering ram and more of a sports car. What I wrote down for myself is that they're long. They're fast. They're disciplined. They're fast. They've got a five-star quarterback that I've been hyping for the better part of the year. Plus, they're really fast, all right? They got a V10 underneath the hood with a drag coefficient of, like, the Formula One car of 1.1. What I'm saying is, with J.J. McCarthy, Blake Quorum, and those wide receivers like Roman Wilson, you're going to have opportunities that you didn't have last year in being able to take advantage of your speed offensively and not just having to rely on outstanding defensive play. By the way, they're pretty doggone good as a defense Quorum was outstanding. I think he had 12 rushes, 72 yards in this game. This is also the first time Michigan has ever had 50 points scored in each of their first three games. And they've been playing football for the better part of 40 years. 140 years. I think this is team 143 for Michigan. And the mood in Michigan is not unlike the mood that I would associate with Oklahoma in 2017. They feel like they are good. They feel like they have an opportunity to not only defend their Big Ten championship, but get back to the college football playoff and have a better showing and more power to them. Because we've been making fun of Michigan, I've been making fun of Michigan for the better part of a decade because they haven't been able to get past Ohio State. And they had, we thought, mistakenly thought that beating Ohio State meant that they would win the Big Ten championship and get a college football playoff berth. Joke's on me, people, as that's exactly what they did last year. And the guy that helped them beat Ohio State for the first time in over a decade is the guy that lost his job to the sophomore quarterback Phenom. I'm excited to see what this means for Michigan football as they get their first Power 5 opponent in conference play against Maryland, Big Noon is going to be at that game. I'm excited to see what Mike Loxley's program can do. They get Southern Methodist a little bit later on tonight. They'll hope to move to 3-0. and We have two undefeated teams, possibly two top 25 teams going at it, in our opening conference slate for Big Ten football. Blake Corum scores five touchdowns in this game, which ties a Michigan record that was set by Hassan Haskins last year and held by Ron Johnson for a year. I should say both of those guys are tied up at five. Finally, I want to put this in front of you for your consideration. Michigan was favored by 46 against Colorado State, 52 against Hawaii, and 47 and a half against UConn. If you think that is good enough for them to be a top four program, I submit to you there's a Tennessee team that has beaten a top 25 opponent in Pitt, that is playing a 47 and a half point favorite against Akron, and is also undefeated. But they play in the SEC East. They play Alabama and Georgia every single year. And, oh, by the way, Kentucky's good. And they're always going to have a problem with Florida. So, is Michigan benefiting from soft scheduling and last year's performance? Or is Michigan just that good? I hope we get closer to answering that question when they play Maryland next week. All right. Number one, Georgia rolled against South Carolina 48-7. to the game was not only over, it was so over that we got to see Stetson Bennett st- taking pictures with fans with nine minutes left to play against South Carolina. I am i don't know exactly what that means in as far as the Stetson Bennett experience. I am going to tell you that the man is having a great time, and I'm glad he's having a great time, because if you know anything about Stetson Bennett's road to being the starting quarterback at Georgia you should really, really be into this. So he walks on 2017 to back up a Jake Fromm and a Justin Fields. He gets run off to Jones County Community College, where he has to prove it once again. He gets scholarship to play quarterback in Georgia to back up what we thought was going to be. Remember Jamie Newman? Then it was JT Daniels. Then he becomes the guy, and credit to Kirby Smart, he does not come off of The dude from Blackshear, Georgia, that just wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog and play quarterback. I thought he was middling to fine last year. He showed flashes of being good. And this year, he's got some absolute wiggle. This year, he's got some absolute swag. And he's going to launch himself into the Heisman Trophy competition this year in a way that, frankly, I don't think any of us saw coming from Setson Bennett. The numbers that he's putting up now put him on par with what Bryce Young was doing last year, what C.J. Stroud was doing last year. You know that Bryce Young is the reigning Heisman winner. You know that C.J. Stroud was a finalist. It's hard for me to look at the Georgia Bulldog football team, who they beat, how soundly they beat them, and not see Stetson Bennett at the Heisman ceremony at the very least, if not raising the trophy as quarterback at Georgia. What a storybook ending that would be for a guy that just wanted to walk on and play ball for the Georgia Bulldogs. Also, to finish tonight, We had an outstanding finish to one of the better games that I didn't know we were going to get. Appalachian State. Troy. Doesn't really matter for me, though, because we got an outstanding finish. So the story here is Troy decides to take a safety, giving up two points so they can punt the ball back to Appalachian State with little to no time left. Chase Bryce throws a Hail Mary to the end zone that bounces around, ends up in a receiver's hands, and they win a game that they should not have lost or they, they should have never won. The Cardiac kids, they are undefeated. They feel like they're unstoppable. The Sun Belt has proven to be a thorn in everybody's side. It's going to be a very close league this year. ODU nearly pulled off an upset against Virginia. South Alabama nearly pulled off an upset against UCLA. And you know the carnage that the Sun Belt wrought last year, Marshall versus Notre Dame. Of course, App State versus Texas A&M. I'm very excited to see what Sunbelt football looks like. Coastal Carolina is going to be in the mix. We're going to get to see Louisiana in the mix. It's going to be a lot of fun over there in the leather Sunbelt coming year, your Power 5 school in the near future, I'm sure. But right now, they're going to have to figure out who their champ is. And maybe we're talking about them being the highest-ranked group of five champion to make a New Year Six Bowl next year. All right, that's is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. That is Jeremy Bimbo on the camera for yours truly today. Miles Owens on the live screen switches. Our social media maven is JV Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohen. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all tomorrow to talk through the Associated Press's top uh, 25 rankings. And my, top 25 rankings. Spoilers, Kentucky's not going to be at four tomorrow. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Deuces.